it's another edition of Library Guys and Gals Go to the Movies. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Hello, everybody. Hi. We are Library Gals Go to the Movies Live. Here we are. Sort of, yes, sort of. <laughs> um, so we are bringing live to you today our panel because we are going to be discussing some excellent horror movies. And you will finally, if you are watching us during Geek Fest, you will see the faces of your wonderful movie mistresses of darkness. <laughs> I'm Via, and this is my co-host. Katie. And we have a very special guest with us today. It is Mandy. You might have seen her at our Powell branch. She is, um, well, she's below me now. Um, but yes, we have Katie, who is also a, a uh, horror aficionado and total buff. So she's the perfect total person buff. to join us. Yes, just like us. She's just as crazy about horror movies. She's a perfect person to have on here. And uh, we are very excited to share this with you. We will also have it at our recording, so you can listen to it as a regular podcast later or anytime from your listening pleasures. Uh, so we're going to be discussing two different categories today. It's going to be Best Modern Final Girl, which is 2000s to today for movies, and Best Female Directed Horror Movie. And uh, so we just want to let you all know, disclaimer, this podcast contains spoilers. So if you are uh, thinking about watching any of the movies that we're going to mention today and you don't want us to spoil them for you, um, don't listen to this till afterwards, or maybe listen to a little bit of it and then stop yourself before we get to the end. But uh, yeah, it'll make it much more enjoyable for you. Also, we'll just let you know that while this podcast and viewing is rated PG, PG-13, uh, a lot of these movies, um, most of them, if not all, are rated R. So just know that when you are watching or if somebody in your home is asking to watch them, if they uh, get our recommendations. So um, let's get started. This is going to be exciting. All right, let's do it. Yay. So awesome to be with you all here in person, kind of over the internet. Yes. Um, so here we are. This is the three of us, the horror aficionados, the library gals. Um, and as you can see, we are sharing our favorite movies with you here. Um, my uh, picture is the one you see with Reagan from The Exorcist over there. I love that and picture so much. My favorite horror movie, which was not an easy decision to make. It's hard to narrow it down just to one, but today my favorite horror movie is Shaun of the Dead. Yay! Excellent. Yay! Yes, and then you have my scary face in the middle there. I just thought that picture was funny. It was when I, I went somewhere for Halloween. Just one night, no costume. Well, you know, at your own judging, you can maybe it is a costume. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my uh, favorite horror movie is The Howling. I believe I talked, I think we both talked about that a little bit on our very first podcast episode switch over yeah and uh i love the tagline uh, imagine your worst fear of reality and i feel like that can equally go for um myself and for the movie so use it as a tagline for me and the picture above awesome shout out to howling for the marsupials <laughs> for being worst <laughs> best quadruple sequel ever. Uh, I am Mandy. I am dressed as the bride, not the bride of Frankenstein because Frankenstein isn't married and my favorite uh, movie, I don't know, horror I said The Orphanage, it's Spanish language, I love it so much and then Katie said Shaun of the Dead and I said, oh, I messed up, it should have been Shaun of the Dead so I don't know, I can't pick but go watch The Orphanage if you haven't seen it, it's really good. Yeah, and I feel like Mandy and I kind of both went this direction because we kind of fight over Jaws being both of our favorite movies but Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all 
all time. I don't yeah. even say it's my favorite horror movie. Jaws, yeah. favorite, favorite, favorite movie. It's Jaws. I don't even count it as horror, but it is like, yeah, it's my like my top five for it's sure. It's like summer horror, uh, you know, favorite yeah. favorite summer movie, favorite. It's on. I have to watch it movie. Yeah, so. it's an attack shark. I feel like that can fall in a line of horror. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, clearly we have so many opinions about these movies, and we decided it would be a good idea to take those opinions and put some horror movies to the test and come out with what is number one on the top. So and let's jump to listen in. to our opinions. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Let's jump into our brackets. So and like we I, said, spoiler warning. Spoilers. <laughs> PG-13, all the warnings. <laughs> the yes. warning, warning. All the warnings. We will spoil these movies, especially yeah. because once we get to this discussion of final girls, it's really saying what makes them a final girl, which will essentially ruin the movie for you. We're talking about the endings of all of these. So yeah, that's uh, the final moment. That's the determining <laughs> yeah. factor. That's exactly right. And just to clarify what a final girl is and why we went modern, the final girl is that horror movie trope of the badass lady who made it to the end of the movie. Um, we have pointed out that some of these ladies kind of make it to the credits, but they might not make it much after. So, uh, and we went modern because if you start with the classic final girls, it's hard to say whether or not anyone could beat out some of those originals because they are the ones who created that stereotype in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about Laurie Strode. We're talking about um, really anything with Jamie Lee Curtis where she's the, the uh, star of the film. It's very hard to beat her. It's hard to beat Jamie Lee. She would have been number one before we even got she's the still going. She's still and going. She's still going. Halloween kills out this month. Can't yeah. wait. Plus those right. are always the lists. The, the final girl lists are right. always going to have those classic standbys. We just want them to have their honorary golden plaque on the wall already. We highly respect them. And uh, the original trope of the final girl often had um, Characters that um, had to, you know, originally had to be a virgin, had to be very chaste and moral and never do anything wrong and um, just be that moral compass for the movie. And over time, the final girl has been kind of flipped on their head um, to break some of those rules, to kind of not be as restricted in the, the female portrayal that is, is, you know, certain things are shamed over or more things are accepted. Um, and sometimes the movies just completely reverse that idea of the final girl. So we're interested in kind of seeing who um, the best one out of the modern ones today are with that new reinvention of what the final girl is. Awesome. Another thing we talked about too is that like those original final girls like couldn't get a job after that movie. Like they're insane. They're like, like Laurie Strode is sh shaking in the corner and the girl from Texas Chainsaw is laughing until she dies yeah. in the back of that truck. They're just throwing so, her in the car and like, okay. <laughs> a lot yeah. of the, my, the modern final girls come out like ready to fight the next battle. So the part of our determination in which, which final girl would win is like, not only did you survive the movie, but did you thrive the movie? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and if you would like to play along or if you um, wanted to get this bracket for yourself, there are copies of this on the website. Yep. So take a look at the Great Geek Fest webpage. And without further ado, let's jump into round one. Are we ready? Good. All right. So first up in round one, we have Dana from Cabin in the Woods and Michelle from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Cabin in the Woods, we have a very meta horror movie where we have all of those tropes set up for us. This group of teens goes into a cabin in the woods. But what we find out soon after is that every move they make is being watched and scrutinized by 
a uh, surveillance system, let's say. And so this one is very meta and Dana is set up to be kind of the, the final girl from the beginning. Michelle, 10 Cloverfield Lane, the uh, world has come to a very strange end, sort of post-apocalyptic. And Michelle wakes up from a car accident to find herself chained to a bed in a bunker by um, a very charming but freaky John Goodman. And He's so, creeping so hard in that picture. Oh, so hard. So we have Dana versus Michelle. Ladies, take it away. So what we should, what we're, I think we're gonna do for every bracket is go around and say our pick and a little reason why. If we all agreed, we move on to the next bracket. If not, we duke it out. Absolutely. Um, I'm ready to duke. Go for it. Who wants to go first? Me. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so I chose Michelle from Tim Good Lane. Love Michelle. Uh, love anything Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in. Um, I chose her mainly because one of the big things about Cabin in the Woods is that um, all of our characters, they don't exactly fit the stereotypes of those tropes that they need in the sacrifice in the end. So um, they, in the movie, they end up putting a, a chemical gas that changes the personalities of the campers and makes them mold into what they're looking for because it's just so hard to find them these days. They got to work with what they got. Um, so Dana, for a good majority of the movie, is, is chemically influenced uh, in a way that's not against, or the way that's like not in her control. And uh, we really don't know her, her straightforward personality. We really don't get to see uh, if the majority of her is a, a good final girl because she's also made to be that virginal character. So, um, you know, she, she does make it to the end, but then when she gets to the end and we see a little bit of how she is in the beginning and the end, she chooses to kind of just let the world burn. And um, I mean, that's definitely a hardcore thing. And I love that in the context of the movie, but uh, yeah, we don't actually know if she survives because apparently the, the like elder gods are, you know, come up in the end. And uh, so we don't, we don't know if she, she really lasts. And also Michelle, just to give her, I mean, narrowing out somebody can definitely work in these, but I think if I'm just going to throw out some points to Michelle, obviously she is so ready to go from the beginning. She, um, you know, creates weapons in the first couple seconds. She's instantly like eyeing her situations every time she gets into a new room. Um, I chose this picture because this is the absolutely fantastic fashion choice of the duct tape ducky shower curtain suit that she fashions herself in secret while she's living there for like the couple months. And she uses this to go outside in case the air really is toxic. She's just, she's, um, you know, she's, she's so practical and able to create these things on the spot. And I just think that's a really good skill. Plus she has a great character arc. Um, she goes from running away from her issues to at the end, deciding to face them head on. And when she's given the choice at the end to go to a safety kind of refuge place or go to the city to fight with their kind of army they've built, she chooses to go and fight because of all the stuff she's been through. So Michelle is definitely hardcore. Absolutely. Mandy, what'd you think? Who'd you pick? I also picked Michelle. Woo! Um, and I think that for me, it's it's the ending that like you're absolutely right that Dana was chemically altered the whole <laughs> the whole movie, but I think that like the fact that Dana is like really watching the world burn, she's like an anti-hero almost at the end, like she's not doing anything to save the human race. And Michelle actively makes the choice to not only does she come out of her situation, but she makes the choice to help others. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's like. 
that's the one up. This is also the perfect, those two images are the perfect final girl because it's kind of like the the bra poking out, like classic, like kind of sexy the horror. Tea, and then she's yeah. also in a, in a ducky survival suit. Like <laughs> yeah. that's just, that's just peak horror. Um, I'm not sure movie to movie. I think I actually like Cabin in the Woods better as a movie, yeah. although I loved them both. But I think Michelle's the better final girl. So I'm going to Michelle. Sweet. And I also think you, the, when you said that she kind of watches the world burn and stuff, she also uh, almost kills uh, Pseudo Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> so she decides, like, maybe I'll shoot him so that I can survive in the end yep. and, like, save the world. And, 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 and one thing that we learn in Cabin in the Woods is that the stoner is right. So, that's, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's the one that you don't want to die. So, yeah. Yep. So I think it's pretty unanimous. I also chose Michelle. I love that Michelle wakes up from her uh, car accident and finds herself chained to this bed and instantly, as you said, starts whittling a weapon. She is always on edge. And at first you're like, should she be? Did he really save her? But she follows her instincts. And, you know, the thing about Cabin in the Woods is their instincts are being controlled by someone else. Like they're not really following their instincts. And Michelle just instantly is survival mode. Something is weird. I'm looking out for number one. It's me. Here I go. And then once she gets out of the house, she does actually make the choice to go help people. So we have our winner for round number one. Seed we number appreciate, one. yeah, we appreciate a final girl that chooses to want to help people. Over yes, just, it's it's that yeah. move from like not just survivor but hero. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's the thing with Michelle. Also, my number one favorite movie might be Big Lebowski, and the, and <laughs> Ten Cloverfield Lake kind of bums me out because <laughs> I'm like I want John Walter, I want a Walter moment. Oh, okay, so Michelle wins. Here we go. Next round. Michelle is Yay. the winner. She's crowned the winner. Awesome. Girl power. I just love that scene too. That whole montage <laughs> of stuff. That was great. Okay, we are on to the next seed here of our uh, of our um, uh, bracket, and we have um, Aaron Harson from Your Next and Grace Ladomas, recently Ladomas from Ready or Not. <laughs> Uh, this is the corner of the bracket that I'm calling the rich jerks uh, rule the day because what happens is these are very similar movies. Uh, Erin is uh, having a weekend visit with her new boyfriend and his extremely rich waspy family. They are on a um, kind of a desolated cabin area and really all hell breaks loose for that household. And Grace marries into the Ladomas family. And as you can see from this picture, her wedding night turns into <laughs> chaos. It as... looks awesome, actually. I don't know it what you're talking about. It's fantastic. It does. <laughs> like so... It's before and after for both those guys. are like, yeah. <laughs> They're perfect. And so Grace marries into the family. Uh, she learns soon after the marriage that they have to play a game. And she picks hide and seek. And again, all hell breaks loose. And... Who's gonna win between these two ladies? What have we got here? I can't go first this time. I went first last time. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. I love both these movies. I, this was to me the kind of the hardest bracket that we did out of all of these because, well, there's one coming up that's worse, but yeah. I, the thing I love about both these characters is um, they're both have taken rough pasts and childhoods and made them into resiliency so like Aaron you find out very quickly spoiler 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 these are all spoilers but you you find out fairly quickly that her dad was like a, 
a survivalist. So the minute the bad stuff starts to happen, she's like, okay, we're going to nail the window shut and we're going to make this trap. And they're all like, where did this girl come <laughs> from? Happening? And the same thing with, with Grace, she, she becomes, she really wants a family. She was an orphan and she stumbles in kind of drunk and it's like, yay, wedding night. And then all of a sudden it's like survival mode just like kicks in. So I, I love both these movies. Um, I think movie-wise, I like Ready or Not a little bit more. I think it's a little more fun in some ways. I think the bad guy is a little formulaic in your next. Like, even like that, the the masked, you know, bad guy character isn't my favorite. There's, like, the bad guys in Ready or Not were sitting around that table three seconds before they're like, go. So... Yeah. I like the um, the way that it kind of goes into a totally different story by the end. So um, ultimately, though, I love Grace at the end of that movie, like covered in blood, cigarette, makes a joke. Like you can tell in her head she's plotting what her legal defense is going to be after this horrible <laughs> night. So I think if you're picking resiliency, I'm going to go Grace all the way because... She she thrived through that movie and she's ready. She's ready to pick a Cracker Jack team of attorneys with her newly found uh, uh, marital money. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually, I brought that up with somebody the other day. I was like, you know what? I never even actually thought about the fact. Does that mean she gets all the money? She gets the, the money. And like, yeah. I mean, unless like, I there's think some was, family member that's If she was found but... guilty, you can't, um, usually you can't inherit money in prison. So yeah. she didn't yeah. kill him though. They exploded. I don't know that. It looks like she blew up that house. There were, well, they, but there were no people left. Like they have zero evidence. They just have piles of goo. Well, yeah. I, I guess that was to me the problem. Well, do they have a security system in that big old house? You think? Yeah, yeah they, they did. did. Remember? Camera somewhere. Well, they, they, did. Did. Yeah, they, they did. They did. Yeah. I don't know. I think she probably went to jail. <laughs> Didn't the money. We'll this is the way the world is. No one believes the women. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So I adore Ready or Not. Ready or Not became one of my favorite like modern horror comedy movies. And the ending just like topped the cake for me with them all exploding at the last second. Um, just dying of laughter. I absolutely love Grace. There is nothing that I wanted more. I even had on my sheet Grace before I even watched your next. <laughs> and you guys know that I did not like your next. Yeah. I found I found that movie so predictable and kind of boring. Aww. And Aaron was the only character in it that I thought was good and that I liked. And part of that could have been because all of the other ones were so stupid. <laughs> but I chose Aaron. I cannot I believe it. I chose Aaron because one, because of the survivalist skills that you find out in her background. Um, two, because yeah, she is showing, she, she's not only, you know, fashioning all of these weapons and being able to do all of these things, but she's teaching the other people how to do it. You know, not realizing that all of them are horrible and some of them are actually like backstabbing her right now. And so she's like there to save everybody too. She has that kind of hero mentality. She's not just looking out for herself. Also, she's Australian. So you know that she has fought like huntsman spiders and like those giant crazy wild things in her like pseudo real life slash character life maybe. So she like, she knows how to fight off anything. So even though the movie is not my favorite, I feel like I would want her defending me as much as I love Grace. I think both of these characters are awesome and could, could totally like stand on their own. I would be proud to fight alongside them. <laughs> but with Grace, when I watched the movie again, I realized she had a lot of help. She still did a lot of stuff on her own, but her, her 
recent husband was giving her instructions and helping her out along the way for the majority of the time until at the end he realized the curse was real and was like, no, send me, and then he blew up. Um, and then also the, um, I forget his name, the drunk, um, the drunk like cousin uh, who's played by Adam Brody. Love him. He was my favorite family member. He ended up helping her out a little bit too. So He's the brother-in-law. Okay, yes, yes, you're right. Um, so he ended up helping her a little bit too. Um, and so Aaron just didn't have any help. And, you know, I, I don't think that even if any, like that they were all too stupid to be able to outthink her anyway for anything. So. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's the only reason I wanted Grace to win so much, but I chose Aaron because of the, the solo kick butt power. Awesome. So I'm so sorry, Grace, I thought you did. <laughs> so this is where we have our first like tiebreaker. I'm coming in as tiebreaker here. Yeah, and you I did. I chose Grace because, um, and it's for the reason that you chose Aaron. Like, even though Grace had a lot of help, Erin was built for this. Like she was raised on survival. She really steps to the challenge before anyone even knows there's a challenge. And her situation gets worse and worse because more people are after her as the movie goes on. But Grace knows from the beginning that everyone is after her and still has to adapt and uh, realize that the what, like what she has to do is essentially survive. Like that's literally all she has to do. And Erin is kind of, ready to survive while Grace has to learn how to survive. And it really uh, struck with struck me that, that she kind of goes from the, the drunk, goofy new bride to badass lady in chucks and her wedding dress. Like, forget all of you, I'm out. Like, I am surviving this no matter what. Um, I have to say, I love, we have a few like duplicate um, actor appearances here. We will see Adam Brody again, and we will see one of my favorites, Joe Swanberg, make a return in this bracket. So, uh, or in this uh, recording. So hooray for, for some reappearance, uh, reappearances, but I, I'm going Grace. We, I think Grace is my girl in this one. Those are good points. I mean, I can't. This, it, you're two against one, and I can't <laughs> say that I'm I'm mad about this because I don't like I don't like your next. So, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was just as shocked as anybody else that I chose Aaron. So <laughs> nice. one thing about Grace's new family has had generations to learn how to homicide too. You know, yeah. like this yeah. is like a family affair. That's pretty dangerous. I do also love the fact that Grace like rips up like she's like i'm not going in heels in a wedding like she rips off her wedding dress and then puts on her, her like chucks you know and like that's how she's going out and i feel like that's that's very me that's very like that's 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 the way to do it she gets battle ready yes she's like perfect perfect ensemble Woohoo! So we right, got winner so, Grace. Yes. Yes, we got it. Awesome. I'm happy. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. All right. Yeah. So I, wanna, I think like we should take a minute to, like we've been talking about like final girl fashion choices in terms of survival. We actually came with a little bit of our own horror fashion that I feel like we should we should give a quick show off. Katie, oh yeah. What What is your attire that you've brought here? It's going to be a little hard to see because I've got a blurry background, but I'm wearing my Halloween uh, dress here. It's got some jack-o'-lanterns and some uh, random bones on it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I have my my serial killer documentaries and chill shirt that I love. <laughs> yes, awesome. because that's what I was doing most of the quarantine, and I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. So, and I got a little skull sweater. <laughs> Yay! Yay. It's got skulls on it. I feel um, like I feel like we could all survive in these. I feel like these are excellent final girl choices. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's look at the next bracket here. All right, All right. Next up, we have Jennifer's body 
Needy Less Nikki versus Adelaide Wilson. Did anyone know her name was Adelaide Wilson? No, I did not. Yes, I um, did. Because so I did the research, Katie. <laughs> we have Needy from Jennifer's Body. Uh, Needy's best friend Jennifer um, absconds into the woods and finds herself victim of a satanic uh, ritual that turns her into a succubus to return to her high school and wreak havoc. Uh, so that's Jennifer's body in a nutshell. Then we have Us, which is a very hard movie to describe because I think everyone should watch it. It's absolutely gorgeous. But essentially, family goes on a beach vacation and their doppelgangers emerge from underground and try to replace all of them in the above ground. Who do we have in this round? I will go first. And looking through this, I picked Needy because I think that Needy really, um, this was a very, now there is a personal battle here between uh, Adelaide and her doppelganger uh, we call Red, but Needy really does have to murder her best friend to save the world and save her high school. And it, the, the thing I loved about Jennifer's body, because this was a revisit for me, was that I remember this being a terrible, atrocious, and ridiculous movie, and I really liked it when I went back to visit it. I think it's now uh, gaining a cult following that it did not have before. Um, Megan Fox gets a lot of uh, flack just in general, I think, and it's not really warranted. I mean, this movie's cheesy and silly, and she does play the bombshell of the movie, but she also does a great job of playing the succubus demon uh, and going after everybody. Uh, it's very much like a popular girl versus nerdy girl uh, high school scenario. And I love that Needy comes out on top in that. Uh, you know, Adelaide's cool and all, and she's totally a badass, but Needy was my girl in this one. Well, then Adelaide's cool and all, but... <laughs> um, yeah, you know, um, I, I read, like, background stuff on Jennifer's body. I also, like, it, it's definitely, like, a guilty pleasure. Or not even guilty pleasure. Like, it's just a fun movie. Um... And, uh, like, this movie, apparently, because Megan Fox was in it, and, like, at the time, um, like, just, like, the stuff that was going on with her, like, all the the, the ways she was treated in, in Hollywood, um, this movie was, like, marketed in a way that um, both uh, Diablo Cody and, like, the people that worked on the film, like, didn't want it to be marketed. Like, it was marketed very much under, like, the male gaze um, instead of, like, like, how they wanted to portray it, which was that kind of, like... Um, girls that were friends when they were younger and then when they grow up like are kind of separate and one's like the mean popular girl you know so i think that led a lot to um kind of it ending up getting that cult following like it wasn't really appreciated for what it was trying to say like originally you know it's not perfect by any means but i definitely think that that, that needy is a, is a fun character and i loved that uh when I first watched it, definitely the first thing that stood out to me is like that scene when you first see Megan Fox's character, Jennifer, um, come into Needy's kitchen after she escapes the woods and she just has all that black stuff like <laughs> vomit out of her mouth and like the like she looks like so terrible and like I was just like, yes, get it, girl. <laughs> um, but I chose Adelaide. Um, I chose, as much as I love, I love all these movies. I have such like little <laughs> compartmentalized heart pieces for all of them in different ways. But Adelaide, um, she came out on top for me because she is not just facing her best friend and one evil. She is facing like 
we don't even know how far this extends. Like, does it extend just to that city, that state? Is it just the USA? Is it the entire world? Um, it kind of makes me think that it's at least like maybe just withheld in like America with only showing one facility. But, you know, again, we don't know if there are more people in other places doing all these different facilities with the same doppelganger experiments. So she has this such widespread thing that she's dealing with. And even though it seems like the doppelgangers um, only really or like directly go after themselves, um, they definitely like fight the other people. Like if you're in their way to getting to destroying their like real counterpart, like they're going to knock you out. So, um, and we see that happening in the movie. Plus Adelaide has, um, she's dealing with like PTSD, which we later find out why is because she's actually switched um you know throughout like this whole movie um you know she's she's dealing with that and still coming out on top she has the strong sense of protecting her family and um she just she has more people to look after and to protect than herself um she just has to go through such a physical and mental turmoil with coming to, to terms with this whole doppelganger situation. And like, she knew the whole time that she wasn't the real one here with the family. And, and she just has some epic skills, you know, she manages to get herself out of, um, well, she doesn't get herself out of the handcuffs, but when she's trapped in handcuffs, um, because when Red comes back and puts her on there, she manages to get off of the table. Um, and she's running around the movie in handcuffs for the majority of the time and still survives and does all her fighting in handcuffs. And um, yeah, she's just an, an ultimate badass. And then there's that beautiful scene where she fights Red to uh, that like like orchestra version of the like I've got five on it, and it's like oh that that scene is so amazing and, and choreographed and yeah, she's just like Adelaide's Adelaide's got it. Like awesome. she would she would if she if she like. If you're on her good side, like if you're like her family or you're her friend or something, she's going to fight to the death for you. <laughs> yeah, I think fight to the death is a key theme for this one uh, yeah, and I really mean, all of these. Mandy, yeah. what do you think? So I guess I've got the tiebreaker. Uh-huh. Um, this one, in a way, came down to the, just the movie I liked better. And I try you try to separate the final girl from the movie. I really don't like Jennifer's body. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dang it. I didn't like it when I first watched it. I didn't like it on the rewatch. Um, the, I do have a hard time separating, like, to me, this is like a movie you would watch when you were 18 versus a movie you would watch as like a grown woman. And I'm a grown woman. <laughs> I'm like us because. What are you saying, man? <laughs> so I, I have a hard time separating Megan Fox, the myth from the legend. Like all this yeah. stuff she's about the Holocaust is no moss. Like she's not cool, like in some way. So I just, I think that Jennifer's body too has a really, um, like dated LGBTQ like kind of subplot where Jennifer is sort of like bisexual but she's not and she uses it in a, in ways that I don't really enjoy like in terms of that that portrayal seems very like arbitrary and not not I don't think that part of that movie aged very well sure us is like so nuanced you've got a master of horror who i know how much he that jordan peele loves horror i have a hard time taking jordan peele out of this movie because i adore him and have from like the key and peele. i would watch anything that he I would put watch, his name on if he walked across a living room but did this choreography i would do i would watch it like i can't like 
I adore him, but I just, I think that from the first scene in that movie, Adelaide is set up as somebody who understands perspective. Like you have that amazing fun house shot where you know, you know from shot one of that movie that perspective is going to change and flow and not be like normal earth. And I just think that the power she has as a mom, as like a wife, like all of that she carries with such ease versus high schoolers in Jennifer's body. Like I just have, not that high schoolers can't be heroic and of course they can, but as an almost 40 year old woman who really, really loves Jordan Peele, I have to go us. So I'm going, I'm going Adelaide. All right. I will say, I'm just going to point out, Needy does go to the library to figure out what's going on. I know. She's a good researcher. Yes, she is. She's a good researcher. Jennifer's body to me is a little bit in the in the older like final girl tropes versus Adelaide feels much more like an updated like a more modern version of that story. So. I will say though, um, while I see your point, they make it a very clear statement that Needy is not a virgin, but that her and her boyfriend have very um, you know consensual and safe and loving sex. I, so I really I, like the boyfriend character yeah, in that movie. He's a, like, great he's a really good boyfriend. Like <laughs> I, I will agree with you 100 on that. Yeah, <laughs> and I will say that as far as the LGBTQ thing, I, I definitely think there is like some datedness to mm-hmm. the portrayal. Um, and I can't remember if they stated outright, but I, there's, I, no, there's a line where Jennifer says like, she, they were like, I thought you only hurt boys. And she's like, I speak oh, both ways. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean about needy. I can't oh. remember if there is a, the, the, at least what I, you know, you know, which, which some people don't believe that you should like have the background knowledge as stuff to like the movie. She just like say it all. Um, but I do think that, that it was implied a little bit that like needy did have, feelings towards Jennifer yeah, for sure. as well. You're right. And so the way I always kind of read it was Jennifer is the mean girl. So her like using that against Needy just kind of is another reason to like like to see she's a jerk. Like she that's, knows that she knows a, Needy likes her. Yeah. But I do think that the movie could have done a better job. You're um, right though that essentially things, yeah. there are probably two bisexual characters in that movie and one of them is like a really authentic good portrayal that's that's not like and then there's Jennifer who's just using it. So you're right. right. That's the, uh, I also, we never talked about, and I know he's, he, guys are starting to count in this list, but the the dad joke, dad and us is like one of my favorite characters. Like he's just like such a perfect, like nerdy dad uh, yes. dude the whole time. He's <laughs> one of my favorite characters. He's yep. right, He brings me life for that movie. Yes. All right. So in Battle Diablo Cody versus uh, uh, Jordan Peele, we have a clear winner. Adelaide is our winner. <laughs> I love this picture. I, I I cracked up every time I was editing this because she just looks. She's like she's like I I never thought I would win. I'm so appreciative. Thank you. I would like to have world peace. And she's got the scissors on her knee, ready to go at it. <laughs> All right, friends. We have so much more ground to cover. We're moving into our final matchup of round one. We have Tree Gelman from Happy Death Day and Danny Arter from Midsummer. Easy. And let's talk about Happy Death Day. Uh, Tree wakes up repeatedly in the morning of her birthday, lives through moments of her day, gets killed, wakes up and does it all over again. The ultimate Groundhog Day, except lots and lots of murder with a creepy <laughs> baby face. And then we have Danny 
Danny is the saddest final girl of all. Uh, Danny uh, is just in mourning and in tragedy constantly. And then she decides that she is going to throw over her deadbeat boyfriend and become queen of the flower people. <laughs> These are completely opposite movies. There's nothing, they have nothing was, in common. This was incredibly difficult. So as I didn't mention that we did have a random generator for our uh, brackets. We did a little fudging to make um, the rich jerks family match up, but otherwise this was random. And I'm going to tell you, this was almost no contest. Let's let's have it out. Tree. Tree wins. Tree. Tree wins. Tree wins. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think we all had similar feelings. These are such different movies. Uh, Happy Death Day is a blast it's a romp it's fun it has funny moments it has horror a comedy it's a horror comedy it's it's smart it's sassy it's sexy midsummer is so heavy and so tragic and you know via really convinced me as we talked about this that danny i don't do we even call danny a final girl She's, i think it's fair to still call her a final girl uh-huh because because like i said i i feel like and like like no no final girls put in a in a fortunate situation. Right. But she is just like in the most vulnerable, like weakest personal spot when she has to go through all of this. So it's just like the most unfair, unfortunate situation ever for her. So essentially Danny decides that she's going to make her own decisions. And really what happens is, and it's like you said, she's in a weak position and she joins a cult. I mean, that's how the movie ends. She's she's kind of the lead lady of this cult. So this is an easy one for us. We went ahead and... Well, Mandy, do you have anything to add to this? Who's I love winner? Happy Death Day! Yay! <laughs> All right. So without further ado, we're just going to declare Tree our winner. Tree. Because she is just the yeah. best. And right. it's like, also very enjoyable. We didn't It didn't enter into our vote. But this, if you love the first one, watch the second one. It's not as good, but it was still very good. Yes, yes absolutely. It's a and little more meta uh, horror. Sorry, what's it? It's meta horror, I would say. Again. Oh yeah, it's definitely yeah. meta horror. And as far as like Danny in the end, like cults are bad. And Ari Aster like even admits he says straight out it's a cult. He does not try to defend it not being a cult to try and artistically say that like that's not what's happening. So she goes from like a toxic jerk boyfriend <laughs> to just another toxic family that she yeah. joins so I don't really think she ever really gets any healing and you might even compare her to like does she actually make it out sane and okay she might kind of be more along the lines of how the classic final girls end up sometimes so whereas yeah Trey is the definition like we said of somebody who fights 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 fights, fights and then is instantly ready to jump in the sequel and she does yeah. <laughs> so love right. so, love that scene Laura she's like yeah. hey. <laughs> this, is, this is a great scene she's walking around naked because she's been going into this this you know war pole of the same day over and over again and so like anybody is going to do once you get into it for like the 16th time you're going to run around school in your life naked. he starts to not then, care yes. yep absolutely all right, All right so let's see what's next. We've made it through round one. Moving yeah. into round two, we Ooh. have some more difficult decisions to make. Uh, again, we have Michelle from 10 Cloverfield Lane versus Grace from Ready or Not. I'm just going to jump right in here. Uh, I, Grace is still good in it for me. Um, she's 
She's just, I, she goes through so much more. Michelle is sitting in a bunker playing Monopoly and eating spaghetti. <laughs> like, you know. Monopoly's she, terrible, Katie. She has plenty of time to do what she's going to do. She can plan. She can uh, set up anything she needs. She knows she needs to get out. But does she really? I mean, she kind of had a sweet situation, but her whole thing is she's doubting whether anything is wrong in the world above. Grace is just getting attacked constantly and fighting for her life. And Grace comes out on top for me. Yeah, I I, I chose Grace. I, I got my girl Grace this time. Um, and I agree with you about the, the Michelle having time to prep um, with things to, uh, definitely compared to Grace, who is much more like in the moment. You, she just has to think off the top of her head and, and do stuff. Um, also, you know, along like with the playing Monopoly, um, is, uh, is it Howard? Is Howard um, his character's name? John Goodman? Is it Walter? It's not Walter. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay. So John Goodman's character, he's not... Um, I think it is he, Howard. He is, okay, I'm just gonna. I, I, I'm terrible memory. This is, I, I do research these movies, people. No, um, it's Howard. No, it's Howard. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so Howard, like, he's not actually a bad guy. The whole movie, like, he really does intend to save these people. He has, he has like an attachment to Michelle. Um, you find, like, she finds some stuff. Hey there, geek fresh friends. So a strange thing happened. When I went to edit the video of all of our brackets that we recorded, a piece of the footage was missing, and I don't know why. So I will recreate for you now what you missed. So it was Grace from Ready or Not versus Michelle from 10 Cloverfield Lane. So we were all like, oh, I won't do voices. (laughs) Grace was like, oh, you know, she's up against all these guys and Michelle has to be kind of independent. But then we were like, well, Michelle's just been playing Monopoly for like a year. And then Grace had to like, really like under pressure had to succeed. And then finally we decided there was a fight and Grace from ready or not went to the next bracket, which means it was Grace from ready or not versus tree from happy death day so then we were like oh tree had to die like over and over again and grace didn't even die the one time (laughs) because she's the last girl and then we were like well yeah but tree gets to practice essentially because she can die over and over again and they were like yeah and so then they fought and then we decided that the winner of this full category is tree from happy death day so I'm very excited. I'm sorry that we had to break it to you this way. But um, if you haven't seen Happy Death Day or the sequel and you are over 18 and are okay with seeing movies that have some gore and are spooky, obviously all these movies are spooky, go see Happy Death Day. But Ready or Not was really close. Um, I love both those movies. And um, now we will move on to the next bracket. So sorry about that. Okay, thank you all for sticking with us. We are jumping into our next bracket, which is female-directed horror. If you're looking at this screen and wondering, what do these movies have in common? That's pretty much it for a lot of them. They are all directed <laughs> by women. Um, we, we again went with a random bracket generator here. This one is completely random. No interference or editing creatively by us. Um, so we have um, eight movies with female directors. 
And we're really going to get into what we liked about these movies, what we didn't, and crown the ultimate winner. Um, we wanted to look at which of these movies had a strong female voice, if any, frankly. And, you know, the overall look of them, but also your typical horror things. How scary are they? What is the message overall that they are presenting? And which movie can you watch again and have a great conversation about? Uh, so that's how we're going to launch into this. And we are going to start with round one. American Psycho, directed by Mary Heron, and Near Dark, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Um, by the way, these photos are incredible. Thank you, Via, for finding them. No I really love these. It um, was so much fun looking at the ones from American Psycho. Like, there's so many great, great scenes still from that. He's not underacting that movie, for sure. Oh, no. So let's say we're pitting the 90s, like, or late 80s against the early 80s. We have... Um, Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale, uh, who is absolutely the star, obviously, of this movie. Um, let's just say yuppie psycho killer. Um, there's a lot of comedy in American Psycho, and it's also got its own terrifying moments. And then Near Dark, an 80s uh, vampire family uh, going across town in a dusty Winnebago trying to find new victims and accidentally, oops, falling in love. <laughs> um, I am not, I am not even, I don't even want to have a conversation about this. American Psycho is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, yeah, I think it's career. absolutely hilarious. Um, there, there's just so much to it. Uh, I, I could talk about this movie all day, but the tone, the costumes, the music, everything about this one really just hits right on the mark for me. That's yeah, my choice, I, by the way, I, down. I chose American Psycho also. I, um, American Psycho is just so purposefully stylistic. Like the choices are all incredibly smart. They're, they're done very purposefully absolutely hilarious it's such dark humor um and it's also like it it's had a lasting impact um for a while you know we have margot robbie's you know parody commercial that just happened a couple years ago where she's doing the the morning routine of um of uh, patrick bateman and uh, you know, people still talk about this and how epic it is. It's also like a huge just psychological thriller, um, let alone being, uh, you know, like a, a very campy, satirical version of, of a, you know, yuppie murder fantasy or reality. Mm -hmm. What is it? What is and it? The fact that, yeah, and the fact that the book was written by a man, but um, the director and a lot of the people that worked on the film were females. So it, you know, it gives that different perspective. But at the same time, I don't think if, if you would have, asked me who if, if a male or female directed this movie i don't think i would have been like this is definitely a woman no. like i think and i think that it's just incredibly strong uh to be able to to speak about this topic near dark had its charm <laughs> but i i did find a good chunk of it kind of boring i did not find the love interest aspect interesting at all that was the part that i thought was incredibly boring it was Bill Paxton that made Near Dark for me. It was oh, Bill yeah. Paxton and it was um, the like dad of the vampires whose actors were just so in it and were so their character. So I loved their characters. 
Um, but yeah, Bill Paxton blows it out of the park. I feel like anybody that watches that movie knows that he's on the cover, like one of the covers, you know, he's just so crazy, fun and chaotic. And so while I didn't hate watching the movie, I don't know how much rewatchability it has for me. Um, Absolutely. American Psycho just is, is, is the chef's kiss of, you know, so. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, no, no shade to Catherine Bigelow, who went on to direct some pretty heavy hitting movies. Yeah. Um, you know, she had um, Zero Dark Thirty, um, uh, The Hurt Locker. Like, she's had an immense, amazing career after this. Um, and yeah, we're. But I know a lot of people are going to be disappointed. Near Dark really holds a special place in people's hearts. Uh, just not mine. Mandy, what about you? That's exa- I feel exactly the same way. You guys hit most of the big points, but I would say in a way though, and Via, you brought this up. I don't know if American Psycho is a horror movie. Like, yeah. I think it hits that same category with me that like Silence of the Lambs does where it's like a psychological thriller. I don't, I, and some of that is pretension, I think, especially for um, Silence of the Lambs, which the older I've gotten, the less I've enjoyed. But um, I think Near Dark is a better horror movie but American Psycho is definitely a better movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and in a way, it's like, well, what's scarier, a vampire or a, you know, a completely disgusting 80s yuppie? Like, yeah, the <laughs> yuppie's scarier. Like, so yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Near Dark. Uh, American Psycho wins it for me too. Awesome. So. And it's hard to say, like, I also think American Psycho is hysterically funny. Yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I want to put it in a comedy realm. Like, it's like comedy where women are horribly in peril and Jared mm-hmm. Leto is also <laughs> not going to come out well in the end. So but yeah, just the scene where they compare their business cards and they're all exactly Ooh, the same. is like such a funny, they're like, not the same Mandy. One of them is clearly pearl colored um, with the Helvetica bold, a watermark. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So good. So awesome. All right. Yay. Patrick. Bateman. All right. What's up next? Next, we have a Babadook. The Babadook and Jennifer, uh, directed by Jennifer Kent, and the original Pet Cemetery, directed by Mary Lambert. Um, and Ooh. it is, uh, gosh, the Babadook is about a single mother and her little boy who is having a lot of trouble trouble in school, trouble in his social life causing trouble all around town and a mystery storybook shows up in their house with a character, the Babadook, who then goes on to haunt basically the rest of their lives. And holy moly, is the Babadook scary. Mm-hmm. And then we have Pet Cemetery. A family moves to a new house. Uh, they happen to have a haunted cemetery on their property. Yay! Which happens <laughs> to bring their uh, pets and future dead loved ones back to life, just not the way that you think they should come back to life, based on a novel by Stephen King, who you can see there acting as the uh, reverend. The preacher for the funeral scene. Yeah, uh, that was again directed by Mary Lambert, and it's the original Pet Cemetery. Uh, You know, for me, honestly, I'm just going to jump right in and go first again. Sorry, everybody. But uh, Pet Cemetery is it really did not age well. It doesn't hold up. It's not it's not a other than Gage. I think Gage is terrifying as a character altogether. But the Baba Duke just these are two movies that deal really well with grief. When we're talking about, you know, like the female voice, the female uh, perspective, um, we're looking at 
dying spouses, dying children, uh, really inevitable things that are really awful. And how does your, uh, how do you handle that? And what do you do when that comes to you? And I think the Babadook does it so incredibly well. Uh, that that one for me, that's the winner. Babadook hands down. You almost scared me for a second because when you said, "Okay, I'm going to jump in," pet cemetery, I was like, "What?" <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I very much chose the Babadook. I love the Babadook also. Um, I'm a big fan. Um, Pet Cemetery, I just could not take seriously. Um, I really loved that we had um, uh, Herman Munster uh, as one of our kind of old wise man characters who knew what was going on with the cemetery. He was fantastic. Um, the cat, the actor, the actor who played the cat was fantastic. Yes, his accent was incredible. But yeah, I just couldn't take the movie seriously. The the little boy was too freaking cute to be scary. Even when even when he's carrying around a knife and stabbing people, he's a freaking adorable. And then they had um, the the moment at the end that actually made me almost cry when he had to like inject his son and you see his son like crying. Aww. So they have that moment and I'm like about to start crying and then he goes like nothing <laughs> and then he dies <laughs> and it really like the whole tone of that just like left me cracking up again. So um, you know I I have either of you read the book? Yes, but it's been a long time ago. I think we talked about this. I might have read this book before you were born. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're not that much older than I am. Uh, but yeah, so I, I was not going to be able to finish that in time to hugely compare. I've heard the book is one of the scariest books that a lot of people have said they've ever ever read. I have not heard that about the movie. I have heard that the movie is pretty cheesy. I don't know about the new one. But um, yeah, in, in terms, I would probably say I don't know how close this movie hits to the book. So um, maybe try reading the book first. Uh, I, I can't I can't really recommend this version of the movie. And I haven't seen the new one yet. So Babadook the all new the way. One's even the new one's even more trash. I'm like, I was so excited for the new one. And it's just, especially church, like they got a really like, I never believed that that Russian blue, which is like a purebred <laughs> cat was like coming back from the grave. The new church looks like it, they literally dug it up somewhere. Oh, yeah, I've going, seen what he looks like. Yeah, he looks rough. But the rest of that movie's like not even sort of as good. Like, okay. and I don't even like the old one really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that uh, Baba Duke, like, uh, like this is another one, hardly any contest. And yeah. man, was it scary? Oof, all right. Oh, I'm going to save my. Like, so when the other one is so bad, yeah. the other one just being good is fine. Like, yep. <laughs> I'm going to, because we know that Baba Duke is, is going on, I'm going to save my ammo. I love Baba Duke more than I should. I deeply love this movie. Uh, I never, to me, the Pet Cemetery is just like, it's never been the Stephen King that I loved. Like The Shining is the Stephen King that I love. Yep. So, yeah, Babadook all day long. I'm going to save ammo. Awesome. Okay, next up we have A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, directed by Anna Lily Amanpour, and The Invitation by Karen Kusama. In this corner bracket, this is what I'm calling the beautiful cinematic bracket because mm. these movies are gorgeous. Yep. They're absolutely yes, they are. just so such a pleasure to watch. Um, they don't have to be, they're not, they'll just say that, they're, they're gorgeous. The cinematography mm. is amazing. Um, they're art directed extremely well. Uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, we have the adventures of an Iranian vampire. Mm. Um, it's black and white, it's gorgeous. She rides a skateboard, it's amazing. 
Um, please check that out. And then we have the invitation directed by Karen Kusama, by the way, also the director of Jennifer's Body. If you can imagine two different movies, please tell me. Um, and, and I don't feel like you can see it in the shooting no. style. I don't think you can. You could tell. No, not at all. Uh, the invitation follows a man and his girlfriend who have been invited to a dinner party at his ex-wife's house. It happens to be in the house where he and his ex-wife used to live. The ex and her new partner have been gone for two and a half years. They invite all their old friends back together. And this dinner party turns into an absolute fiasco when you find out that they have joined a cult. And uh, things go south real quick in this one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really yeah. loved... Um, a girl walks home alone at night. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I very much enjoyed that movie. It was not what I expected it to be. I thought just because of the black and white and the way that it was kind of portrayed um, in like the the trailer or just like the marketing, I thought it was going to be a much more serious film than it was. But it was <laughs> it was weirdly cute and quirky. Yeah, and I did not that that came out of left field for me. So um, yeah, she's just kind of this like. I don't even know if you can call her an anti-hero. I guess she kind of is an anti-hero, um, but she goes I learned around the phrase this week, manic pixie dream girl. She's got a little <laughs> bit of that in her. A little bit, Manic yeah. pixie vampire dream girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she's going around and she kind of like goes after and like drinks the blood and kills dudes who are being like horrible people, being either like unfair to women, whether that's like abusing them or like taking their money or whatever, or they're hurting like other people, you know, it's like crime bosses, you know, so she's kind of like a, uh, like a vampire Batman kind of character. She's like um, the uh, promising young woman of the vampire world, like vampire yeah. vigilante. Yeah. Yes, yes she is. But yeah, it's like the soundtrack of this is absolute fire. I love it. I've already been listening to it in my own time. Um, highly recommend the soundtrack. Um, the she the the character of the vampire doesn't speak for the first 30 minutes of this film and she does so much intense acting with her eyes that you still know everything she's portraying mm -hmm. um the actress is very fun um i think that the love interest is really cute like he's just like the way he interacts with her and kind of wins her over is cute um yeah it's just a very fun movie there is actually the only thing that i wanted more in this movie was weirdly and i'm not a huge gore person but i wanted more gore and violence in this movie uh, it's a vampire film and they set you up in the beginning giving you this kind of gruesome kill for this like um kind of criminal guy who sells drugs and stuff who's who's going after a woman um she like bites his finger off and like they're showing it in black and white the way the like the blood is so gooey and just like the way that they shoot it um, with like the close-up shots and it just like she just like drops it out of her mouth and stuff and it's just like it's so creepy and gross looking that like that set me up for the rest of the movie and then that is the most violent kill that happens even yep. um like later when she kills another guy and they show it like they they do a lot of cutaway and i i thought they did such a good job on that first kill the way they shot it so that even when you knew somebody was bleeding but you didn't have like that coloration it still managed to be just as effective like they didn't play that out for the rest of the movie it's a vampire movie and like there's just there wasn't enough blood in a vampire movie for me um also i what did you end up go ahead sorry oh, sorry i was just gonna say like as, as far as the uh this story like we've said in some other ones um like wasn't as complete as i wanted it to be but i did enjoy this very much uh, what were you gonna say i was just gonna ask what your winner was though yes my winner is the invitation uh -huh. because uh, as much as i love a girl walks home alone at night the invitation i um, 
it creeps up on you. First of all, it has one of the most, like it has such a chilling ending um, that it's really not forget. Like it's, you just, you don't forget the ending and you're never going to look at a lantern the same way again. Um, the, this movie is shot in a way that I think in the beginning makes it look very Andy style, but then as it goes near the end, it almost gets more cinematic. Um, in my, in my opinion, like kind of how I was viewing it. But when I watched it, I was kind of like, never, never at any point did I think these people are not in a cult. Right. Um, but it did get to the point where I was second guessing myself. Like it, it kind of starts off being like, yes, they're in a cult. Everything is laid on the table. But then it slowly it has like a slow build. And that it really does psychologically mess with your head in like the tiniest way because it's so good at backing up how our main character is feeling with his paranoia and the things he's going through and being in this house where like his son died and stuff like that. So um, the tension is palpable. The, the creepy, I want to say Eden, the wife character is almost like a David Lynch type female character to me because she's like very like dream esque and, and like, she uh, like feels like she's from a different time and mm-hmm. like is in this like very dreamy, like I found all the answers to a higher being kind of life. And then we do see that get shattered in the end and it's heartbreaking. Um, I, I like I could I could write like a whole paper on her as a character just because like it's like so interesting. But yeah, the invitation, I highly recommend this one. This one was not funny. This, this no. movie is not funny. Nope. It is just tense and uncomfortable the entire time. It is, it is an epic horror movie. Mandy, what do you think? Ah, uh, I don't know. This one's hard. I think <laughs> it's I had hard. walked in saying I was going to say Girl Walks Home Alone at night, but I think there were problems with the pacing in that movie. Like I felt like there's a point where thoughtful becomes boring and it almost, it's like I watched it with my husband and at some point he looked over and it's like, it's 20 minutes and no one's died yet. Like, you know, (laughs) but it's gorgeous. I think it's kind of in a way a morally, um, like the morals, her moral center isn't great. Like it's, she's, she, when she scares the little kid, I don't think that was for his own good. I, I felt like she was a very morally ambiguous character. Yeah, I, I hated want, that scene. It made me sad. I was like, I think you're going so hard. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted her to be, to own it more if, in a way and like be more badass, I guess. Like, I, like when she bit that finger off, we called that character Ollie G. When we, when she bit the finger <laughs> off yes. Ollie G, I was like, yeah. And then, but like killing the dad, the dad had been sober at some point. Like he was trying, and like, I guess the point where, it's way spoiler, but the point where he made the other girl do drugs, like that, like, per, like made her do that. Like, okay, now he's not ambiguous anymore. But the invitation just, like, it had that, it was just the tightest movie. Like it was just tension, tightening, 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 tightening the entire time. Yeah. It's such a quiet movie. They're both quiet movies in some ways, but I think Girl Looks Home Alone at Night is prettier, but Invitation is a better horror movie. Absolutely. And so I'm going to edge out Invitation. We're going to Invitation. And uh, Via, you said and something really like that brought home the point. And it's the scene that's in the photo here of the Invitation. It, you... you kind of believe they're in a cult, you know they're in a cult, until this scene in the dinner party where he stands up and he's like, what is going on? Why is everyone acting so weird? And the friend that we're missing. Where's the boyfriend? Mm -hmm. And he's convinced that um, he like got, something bad happened. And then the guy shows up and all of a sudden 
Will looks like he's crazy and feels so guilty and terrible. And you think, okay, maybe everything was his imagination. And then switch flips and everything is just chaos. Um, if you've ever had a friend who moved to LA, this is their life. <laughs> like going to dinner parties in the canyon. No one's ever going to go to LA again. <laughs> These were the rich people in the hills, okay? Not yes. everybody, I'm sure, is like that. Yes, they were all in the hills. And so, yeah, this this movie has been a favorite of mine ever since I saw it. The ending always sticks with me. I love how gorgeous it is, but it moves at such a pace that it tightens, it tightens, it tightens. You cannot believe what's going on. It's grief, it's confusion, it's that cult background. So the invitation is our winner for this round. The shots are really cool too. The only, because we'll be fair, even though this is our winner and I think this is a fantastic movie, the one giant thing that I would have kept out of it is I think Sadie was too much of a giveaway character. Like she was clearly like inspired by a Manson girl. Well, if you look at that, look at the um, the poster. It looks like Manson. That looks right. like Manson. Yes. Yeah. Like, like he, you have that's to- the only thing that if they wanted to make it like a little less, I think she was a little too on the nose, but at the same time, she was very entertaining to watch. So I didn't hate it, but I did think it was a little too on the nose. But I mean, I love the movie, obviously. Um, I still, every time I watch it, I'm not convinced that the actor who plays Will is not actually Tom Hardy. There, that, that goes on forever, <laughs> yes. So he's actually, this guy is the one that's in um, uh, Prometheus. Yes, Logan Marshall and, Green. Yes, and that's like, when, when Prometheus came out, like, I saw so many articles saying that, like, people thinking it was Tom Hardy, and yep. I was like, no, these aren't the same people. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's that whole thing, yeah. Yep. All right. All right, let's see what's next. We got XX versus Ooh, Relic. Ooh, I love both of these. So the XX is an anthology where it's four separate short horror films. They are each directed by women. Um, they are four separate entities. We can talk about those individually or as a whole. Um, but they're all a little bit different. I would say for me, one of the key uh, through lines for those aside from uh, the the um, short where they go camping is uh, parenthood, motherhood is kind of a through line. Um, same with Relic. Uh, the premise of Relic is the um, mother of this family, the older woman, is suffering from dementia. At uh, the top of the film, she's missing, and her daughter and granddaughter come to her home to find her. She comes back of her own volition, but had been in places unknown, and creepy things start happening all around them. And it's all about aging and generations and what we pass down through our families. What did you choose, Mandy? I chose XX. Okay. <laughs> I did not really like Relic. I realized that there were two ways. So (laughs) I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing when you watch a movie and like, I feel like I have to read somebody else's review of it. Relic was one of those movies. So I read uh, the Onion AV Club review. Shout out Onion AV Club. Like they have the smartest reviews. I think there's two ways to read the ending of that movie. And if, if we're talking in this category about women's perspective and uh, like a women's voice like I think the two the way I read the end of Relic and this is just a straight spoiler is that like and you can see it in that picture as like so the grandma turns into that like you know I don't know if it's a pupae caterpillar situation but her all of her skin gets peeled off and she's this kind of blackened thing 
And then the mother he tries to keep the daughter out, but like ends up like cuddling her, which is the scene you see here. And as she's cuddling her, like the whole movie, the grandma has this mottled skin that's like spreading to her body as she's getting dementia, as she's getting sick. As the mother cares for her, she starts to get that modeling. And then you see it spread to the granddaughter. So the way the Onion AV Club read it, and I'm guessing this is how you guys read it too, is that like you see mortality go through your family. Like mortality is once you see your aging parent, you know, that's going to happen to you. And that's the thing. The way I read it was generational issues are unavoidable, like addiction or mental illness, or that it kind of spreads their family in a way that you don't have any control over. Like that was how I read the end of that movie. So I was like, well, that's not a strong woman's voice versus XX where you have literally Rosemary actually raising the baby. And like, he's, (laughs) he's like, no, you don't have to be demons. Like you're my kid. You're not his kid. Like, I thought the story with the red box was absolutely terrifying. That is one of the scary short stories I've ever seen. I I flat out like admit that of those four, there's one I never remember. So like, that's obviously a flaw in that movie, but the panda, like the panda is like, the panda is about, it's a kid's birthday party. The dad dies before the party starts. And the mom is like, "Uh uh-uh, we're having a party. This is the kid's last happy memory before she knows the dad's dead and puts the dad in the panda. So, (laughs) but that Rosemary's Baby story has really stuck with me. And if I'm reading the end of Relic as like generational issues in your family are unavoidable, to me, XX was the opposite story where it's like, no, you have a choice over your destiny and you can be a strong enough woman to overcome those, those family issues. But that was just my reading of it, but I'm still going XX because I really liked it. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah like I said I love both of these but I didn't choose Relic um, I did have more of the interpretation of um, what you said the Onion Navy Club um, had uh, I and I don't know if it's like like I have had somebody in my family who has who I've watched go through the stages of Alzheimer's so this was a very hard I knew this was going to be a hard watch for me and so I did have a very emotional connection to it um, and I just thought that um, the uh, just the shots were beautiful. The 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 dark. The there's just something about like whether you're in you know any part of the UK. If there's a movie made there, the like the moodiness and the atmosphere is just bleak, <laughs> and they're just so good at it because probably it rains because Larry is there a lot, so they don't have a lot of choice sometimes. But no, they, there was definitely choices in this, you know, uh, with, with the camera, with the lighting. The very first opening of the scene of the movie is chilling because you've got homey Christmas decorations, mm-hmm. but it's very, there's like this, this strange music playing. You've got the, the Christmas lights just slowly flashing on and on. Like it, it's taking this family thing and turning it where you just know you're like, I, like things are not okay. And then you've got the grandma like walking down her steps and like there's like flooding and she's just standing there like naked not knowing where she is and that's kind of like the start of like when it's like okay like she has alzheimer's like she can't be like alone all the time anymore um so just like all of the family story it, it has a very feminine voice it, mm-hmm. um this this movie the tone of it reminds me a lot of Bob Duke and kind of the female um perspective in it this one I think goes even stronger than Babadook. Um, but it's, 
I do think that there is some generational trauma stuff in here. I don't think that I see it as like the mental illness thing because I read it very much as an Alzheimer's thing, which does, you know, have its own um, right, you know, right, mental right. health stuff they're dealing with. But I didn't see it so much as a like, oh, no, we can't escape. But I, I definitely read it as like a um, facing their generational trauma because um, whereas the guy that was left in that cabin that we learn about um, who also had like Alzheimer's and like went like crazy and they just kind of left him dead in the cabin to like rot away. The mom stayed to take care of her mom. And so to me, I saw this more of anything. Uh, if it's a generational trauma, it's more of old, older generations getting left behind when they get older or like them realizing like, like we have to be there for family. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this would be heartbreaking. Like, like there were definitely parts of it that, that were scary. Like the, the, whole the actress that plays the grandma the the personality she gives the grandma versus when she switches to having like the alzheimer's like where she's not fully herself and like conscious and like in the current the acting skills that she had were fantastic oh she was so creepy whenever she had alzheimer's you know it was just it, it was it was a very emotional movie. And I think that, that the actors, actresses were incredible. I think that the effects like with the peeling skin and everything were, were fantastic, like, like so creepy and so effective. Um, yeah. I just think that this movie is absolutely beautiful and still manages to be creepy. You know, it may not like scare me out of my socks, but whereas XX is super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the funny birthday party one was like a black comedy is done by St. Vincent, who I think is, is great. Um, you know, that she got to do one of these, um, you know, but they were shorts. So their stories yeah. didn't get to be fleshed out as much as relic. Also, I, I know the one that you're talking about that's kind of forgettable. It's the one that is in the picture with, like, the girl kind of crouching with the one-way sign. Yep. They're in, like, a desert in a camper. Like, yep. that one is, is was the worst out of them for me. I forgot about that stop motion, which was great, though. Yes. That stop motion was really pretty. Yeah. The, so the box, I thought, was the scariest one to me. Um, I did to love me, it was the, the one the baby one. Sun, though. Yeah, that yeah. one was the creepiest. I actually read the short story version of it to compare, and it's pretty on par. But one of the big differences is that um, the uh, story is told from the perspective of the dad. And so it was clear to see why they switched it to being more of the mother's kind of perspective, yep. um, which, uh, you know, for, for doing XX, it's supposed to be a female anthology. The ending's a little different, too. I think I actually liked this short uh, the video version better than I liked the short story just because of the direction it went because it was it was super terrifying and again the the effects are are ugh, they, they gave me squigs so yeah but definitely Relic even though XX is fantastic I also went with Relic um, XX I had a ton of fun with and it's a movie that I do enjoy watching but I just don't think it has as solid of a through line I will say Her Only Living Son uh, gives a third appearance on our bracket for Karen Kusama, who yep. directed that segment. So, Karen, we're huge fans of yours. Go Karen. I mean, yeah, Karen. <laughs> but, one point know, of, just one point of clarification: Relic's Australian, right? Not British. Relic is Australian. Yes. Yep. And that was okay. mentioned. The Onion Maria, article. My comment. I take it back. <laughs> no, it's okay. But it's like the lighting does look weird in in Australian film shots too. But I just knew that there's a, there's a strain here of strong Australian women like yes. going through this yes. list. Yeah. 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 Okay. Absolutely. Winner, right. Relic. Winner for Relic. We're gonna Yay. have to kind of rush through the rest of these so we can get on to uh, the 
D&D that is happening right after this. So yeah. give us, we're going to have to go kind of quick through the rest of these. All right. Next up, we have American Psycho versus the Baba Duke. Um, you know, this is a, a point of contention. Um, I know what we have moving on next. Um, I personally would pick the American Psycho just for pure enjoyment level. That's uh, not popular opinion, I don't think. Let's hear what you pick. So I, this was the hardest one for me to do. I, I actually, it's still blank on my sheet because I was like, we're just gonna go in and we're gonna figure it out. And I feel like I could be swayed, but in the end, I think that American Psycho is based on like technical approach. I think it is the better stylized movie. And as, an, as a total vision, I think that it as a whole was a better made movie. But I think Duke is the better horror because I think that Duke is definitely horror. I think that it's also shot beautifully. Yeah. Um, it definitely has that female voice. Um, it created one of my favorite memes of all time, which I've included. The, my dad just me normal. Ah! You know. Um, and it's it's so original. Like, you know, American Psycho had a had a story to base itself off of. That doesn't mean that it's not brilliant. But the Baba Duke is is original as far as I know. Uh, you know, anything that takes like something cute and innocent, turns it like completely vile and creepy, it definitely is an effect that works on me. So doing the children's book is is very uh, refreshing and, and, and was very good visual to have. And um, I do think it shows this mom's struggle. You know, I never thought the mom was a jerk, even when there were points where they, they were questioning the way the mom was. I was like, dude, she's a single mom and she's having like mental health problems. Like I read this, I know Mandy, I, I would love for you to talk about more what you looked into with this, but I know that there are a couple ways to read this based on reality versus like a mental health kind of angle. I saw it as kind of a, a metaphor for depression, a lot of like a lot of this movie. So I don't know. Like, what did you? Well, the, I don't know. The I can, you, think, you can read this as basically the whole movie was in her head, and yeah. the Babadook is a metaphor for grief or a metaphor for depression. Um, there is no contest for me. I love the Babadook. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the best memes. It also produced one of the accidental, like funniest <gasps> things when Netflix thought that yeah. Babadook was an LGBTQ movie. So gay Babadook is my other I favorite. I love gay Babadook. Babashook. I'm Babashook. <laughs> yeah. Babadook. Babadook. I love this movie. Awesome. All right, Jennifer Kent, Babadook. Next up, Still we have. Still love you, Katie. The, the, I know. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna go watch American Psycho right after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another one that was really tough for me. Oof, the Invitation yeah. versus Relic. Um, Relic is a movie that I've only seen the one time. Uh, one of the things that's hard about this is I don't know if I'll ever watch that movie again. The Invitation is something I can revisit. Um, it has so much going for it. So again, I might be the abstainer, um, but I I thought that uh, The Invitation would be my choice, but Relic is a better horror movie. I think um, I really, both of these were kind of a hard watch, um, but I think there's a strength to Relic that like you can just see the female perspective is so, so, so strong in that movie. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Relic. I think that it's acted beautifully. It's shot. The whole metaphor of the house as illness, I think is a really nice thing. So yeah, yeah. I'm going, I'm going Relic. I'm surprised by that, Mandy. I like it though. Yeah. I don't like it, but it's a strong movie. It's, you know, that's what I said. That's why we, you can tell that we are fair voters in this <laughs> bracket because we're choosing stuff that we don't really like, but we can at least like separate that to show you what's good. So, um, yeah, I chose Relic. I I think that um, style-wise um, and like camera and lighting and all those kind of effects besides the acting, 
are better in Relic. Um, I do think the acting is better in Relic, even though I don't think that, that the invitation is super bad or anything like that. Um, yeah, Relic is just a beautiful, heartbreaking movie, and it is, it's way scarier. It's way creepier. It's, it's yeah. the kind of creepy where it may not scare you instantly, but it like stays in your bones, you know? Yeah. Like you, I, I think about it more, and it like, you know, yeah, it just, it just it gets me in, in the deep parts. All right, there we go. Relic is our winner, directed by Natalie Erica James. Next up, we have our final, final, oh. final round. Duck versus Relic. And, um, you know, th- this one's tough, too, because these weren't my original final two. So it comes down to me kind of talking in circles. So I'm going to let someone else uh, talk out how they chose their winner. Here. I'm going to say, I mean, I chose Relic. And right. Relic... I knew, regardless of whether I chose American Psycho or Babadook, Relic was going to come out stronger than both of those. So it's just, yeah, I mean, you know, it's probably a personal thing. Like my connection with it is probably on a very personal level and like a very personal love of what I I enjoy in horror and stuff like that. But yeah, it just touched me in in an emotional, very memorable way. I would watch it again. I think that the difference for me is like, I would watch it again, but I think it would be harder for me to be in a place where I was ready. It kind of like, Relic reminded me a little bit of, of, uh, of how I feel about watching Ari Aster films. I adore them. I think they're some of the most brilliant horror movies of modern time, but but like, I'm not always ready to watch those because yeah. they are traumatizing. Yep. Yep, <laughs> I sure. wouldn't say Relic is traumatizing in a way that that Hereditary or Midsommar are, but uh, it definitely it definitely has that, that feeling that leaves me sad and pondering and wanting to go like stare out the window while it is raining and listening to some very yes. sad music in the background and starting to talk like um no fielding's character on the it press um, <laughs> awesome all right so yeah. relic is your choice okay yes. mandy what about you <laughs> i know <Yeah>. right <laughs> it's so hard <laughs> i love this movie so much i think that you can it's serious it's fun it's like infinitely rewatchable. I watch Bad like once every six months. Right. Like, I want the actual, I want that book. I tried to buy it. It's a limited edition. You can't even get it. I've made that meme. <laughs> like, if I, I ever just, see it anywhere, I'll let you know, Mandy. Thank you. I think that it's just, to me, it's like, there's, this is the, the mama bear to a hundred. She is going to go to hell and claw back for that kid. And that kid isn't easy to love. No. Like there, you know, there's Gage dies in Pet Cemetery, and he was this perfect angel blonde baby. Like, no, this kid's a hot wreck. <laughs> like, very, like, both of them are very misunderstood people. Like, because the mom, you know, at one point the mom like tries to like kill him and she's yelling at him. And he's he is an annoying little crap sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But you feel for him too. Like there's such a complex dynamic. There are him. points when he's so sweet and it's like, oh, he doesn't have a dad. And that, that whole scene where she's madly in love with the husband who died. This isn't sort of like, oh, they get along, like they're soulmates. Yeah. Right. Like, I just, I think there's so many aspects to Babadook. I love, I love the ending. I, I don't even watch movies where the dog dies. Like, the dog dies in this movie, and I will still watch Babadook. Like, I was terrified about that because I knew it was coming, but yeah. I couldn't remember how. And I was really glad, actually, that they didn't, like, make it super gruesome. I, just, and, and if, I love, too, with Babadook, if you read it as reality, like, where there is this creature that's haunting her house... She literally is such a good mom that she has the Babadook in her hand at the end of the movie. Like, she's like, hey, little buddy, you want a snack or not? You're going to have to stop growling at me. <laughs> like, 
You know, this is so I, I have to play tiebreaker here. And this is a really tough one for me because like getting down to it, these were different movies than what I would have picked. That being said, it's like 49, 51% here for me. Um, when we're talking about body horror, um, are you more terrified of ripping all your teeth out or having all your skin fall off? Um, that's one thing I'm gonna yes. uh, pit up against it, <laughs> exactly. All um, of the above. And you know, I, I think that maybe because it's newer, maybe because it was a first watch, maybe because it's fresher in my mind that I'm edging toward Relic, but it's like like 50.5 to 49.5 of a chart. And I'll probably change my mind tomorrow. But as a tiebreaker here, we are going to crown Relic our winner. Ooh. And I can't even believe it. Luke Duke. <laughs> I know. You know we love, we love Mr. Babadook, if you're watching this, I'm still on your team, but don't come to my house. Oh, no, I'm going to die, Katie. And just to go back and check in with our playing along at home, Jenny, did pick the Babadook, so Jenny, Jenny! I know you Jenny's are number one. Yes, absolutely. So thank you all so much for sticking with us. We had a really great time talking about these movies, watching Super these fun. movies, making time for these movies. Um, if you have thoughts that you'd like to share with us, you can shoot an email to librarygals at delawarelibrary.org. And happy Geek Fest! We're really happy us. to be here. There we are. You can tune in to Library Gals. The last Wednesday of every month, this episode will go up as a podcast recording for October. Please share it with your friends, send us recommendations, and don't worry, we'll be back in November with a whole new movie to watch. So we got a good one. We sure And do. now for now, you've got like 16 different movies that if you haven't seen them, you can watch in the meantime. So exactly we, right. we've got above and beyond for you this month. So don't say we ever, we didn't ever give you anything. And you have the copies of those uh, brackets. If your bracket ended up different, please let us know and we will see you soon. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, stick with us. We're going to be doing a Librarian's Lore D&D right after yes. this. Yes. Happy Geek Fest. Happy Geek Fest. Yay. Yay. Join us next time for Library Guys Go to the Movies. For more information on any of the films or digital services we've discussed, please visit DelawareLibrary.org.